This is Werewolf the Podcast, a podcast about the role-playing game, Werewolf the Apocalypse. UtilityMuffinLabs.com is the source for podcasts like 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, the NerdWords Podcast, and the Playing Hooky Podcast, to name a few. We offer gaming, music, and pop culture content, as well as graphic and audio design, voice talent, and more. Go to UtilityMuffinLabs.com to commission us for your audio needs, digital artwork, and advertising opportunities. UtilityMuffinLabs.com, consistently rated adequate. Okay, welcome to another episode of Werewolf the Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Josh Heath. I like to talk about werewolf stuff, and I'm on Mage the Podcast and several other places where you can find me babbling about World of Darkness games and other games. And I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, who can introduce himself. Howdy, everyone. I'm Becca. Obviously, your your co-host here. I'm also a member of the Twin Cities by Night cold brew crew and i'm really excited to talk today about this book josh this book (laughs) this book is amazing this book is so amazing we're recording twice because we have a lost episode folks it took us this long to get here um but we recorded an amazing podcast about kinfolk unsung heroes and it is lost to the ether it, it was so good the magic well we'll try to reproduce the magic for you guys but I'm who we'll yeah. see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> so by the numbers, this book uh, was re- first released in 1997. It was about a middle of a year release. And then the copy I have is a reprinting from 1999. This is the very first time I've seen a reprint. Um, I know that some of the core books were reprinted, um, but this is the first time that I've been like, oh, this is actually a reprint. Um, So that's cool. It means that people really enjoyed it, um, and we really enjoy it. So that's a good sign. Um, It was written by Dina McKinney. It was developed by Ethan Skemp. Um, Some additional material, ideas, and research by Forrest B. Marchington. Um, It was edited by Ed Hall. Um, And art in this book was done by Andrew Bates, Jason Felix, Anthony Hightower, Brian LeBlanc, Paul Phillips, and Pia Guerra. Um, And the cover art is by Steve Prescott. yeah, this is a great book. Becca, what um, what are your initial and overall thoughts of Kinfolk Unsung Heroes? Oh my goodness, I could and have gushed about this book. It is so good and so worth your time. Um, yeah, my initial thoughts on it is this is the book that you need in order to fill out, I feel, something that's a really key component of Guru Society. And, you know, in other books, they definitely talk about it. But this one is obviously the main focus for this kind of subculture, because they're not quite guru. They're they're their own thing, but they're still a part of it. And that's where a lot of the tension comes from. And that's what's cool. Um, And if I remember correctly, this was uh, part of the, uh, sorry, the Year of the Ally. That's right. Um. Yeah, we, we talked about that. Um, so can you explain that a little bit? So The Year of the Ally is a, uh, a series of books that White Wolf produced um, for every one of their game lines that talked about people that weren't the main uh, group of supernaturals, but their friends, their family, their associates. Um, so um, the great book, Ghoul's Fatal Addiction, 
was the vampire book um, for the year of the ally, yes. which is a great book. Um, so there was good. a sorcerer's book. Um, there were a couple of books for um, Wraith. Uh, the Quick and the Dead was the year of the ally book. And then this book, Kinfolk Unsung Heroes, is the werewolf book um, for the year of the ally, um, which is why it's talking about like, hey, these are the people in werewolf society who are not werewolves. Um, and then White Wolf does this every year for a while where they'll have like a year of the Lotus, which is when they release Kindred of the East. They had a year of the Infernal or a year of the Demon or a year of something like that when Demon came out. Um, and they have several other year of the X's that happen. Gotcha. Which is conceptually neat in a lot of ways, but they also discontinued doing that after a while, right? Yeah, when you get into the end of the revised era, um, from about 2001-ish, I think, they stopped doing them, but they okay. did bring it back with demons, so I don't know. It's um, It became really weird. It was a good idea, but then it like it's hard to sustain also. Gotcha. Yeah, which is, you know, you only have so much ideas, but it's also, I mean, World of Darkness is already really big, so... Yeah, it, it's a good way of framing some things, but it's also, like, things can get... Folk too focused in on being the theme of the year or whatever. But yeah, um, Kinfolk Unsung Heroes um, as a book. So it's talking about the kinfolk, the people that are related to werewolves. They're, um, because werewolves in the world of darkness are born um, werewolves, they have family members that are not werewolves. Um, and Garu only... Um, are born about 10% or 5%, depending, or 1%, depending on yeah. all kinds of different factors. So Our, um, our favorite thing, which <laughs> which last time you, you pointed out to me that someone made a comment that we were in, a little bit incorrect on our statistics. Um, if if I'm remembering correctly, correctly, we had said there was probably about like 6,000, mm -hmm. whereas their, their math and their statistics were saying that it was closer to 20 thousand right. which is okay that's more believable with a lot of what the werewolf books are and it's so i'm like okay but still i don't like the statistics on this it's just mm, gets me a little frustrated but we won't go into that this time <laughs> yeah um in, in general like you talk about twenty thousand individuals and then their families as building all of these separate individual cultures we we've talked that idea to death but yeah, it's a little fuzzy, you know. It, <laughs> there's only so many ways you can break people down into different groups. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, totally. And it's... and mm. Yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so so we kind of already talked about what, what does it mean to be a kinfolk. Mm. So what, what is the, the horror aspect in playing a kinfolk? Oh, that's such a good question. Um... The horror in playing a kinfolk is being on some level close to the rage. Like you are, <clears throat> you are, this is a cursed podcast, I tell you. Um, you are right next to um, the fire of all the things that are bad that are happening in the, um, in the lives of the werewolves. Um, you're, you literally can live next to these anger rage machines and you have to try to like, find that to be a good life um and at the same time you are at the front lines of dealing with the um human side of werewolf everything and dealing with the environmental horrors so it's it's you're stuck between a rock and a hard place where you're like i have familial connections to these rage monsters and 
I have to try and protect the world, but I just want to be a person living my life. Completely. And, you know, they, so they're in this world, they're aware of what's going on, but they don't have the same kind of power and they're often trapped and have certain expectations placed upon them, whether they want to or want to have it or not. And then they're, yeah, definitely expected to fit certain roles and be happy about it. And that's yeah. where the, the second class citizen comes in with the kinfolk because Guru obviously know what's best, but then, yeah, just that rage dichotomy, it, it makes it really interesting. And you, you can have a kinfolk who has that clear image in their mind of what should be happening and isn't clouded by rage as much or at all, period. But how are they going to tell this person that can shift into a nine foot tall killing machine without pissing them off? And you know, there's a lot of delicacies that can be thrown in there that I know in some of my games, I've easily just kind of tossed off to the side because my players tend to not be as ragey. They're like mm-hmm. normal people. And it's like, mm, no, no, no. You got to think, got to think a little bit harder and, and think about what makes you mad. Mm-hmm. So when something like, oh, someone cut me off in traffic is a mild irritation for a kinfolk or a regular human being, that's a rage roll for a werewolf where they're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to explode now. And now my car is shredded on, you know, the beltway around DC. And hopefully no one saw this big hairy bear, quote unquote, destroy this car in the middle of broad daylight. I know. And there's, they actually talk about, I think it's the Glasswalker kinfolk was talking about how he has to be the one to build the computers to help out the group because they'll just pick up their machines as soon as it pisses them off and they'll throw it across the room and that doesn't help anything so just those making those little points i really appreciate the author bringing that in so that's kind of a basic overview of the book let's dive in kind of chapter by chapter sure Um, the, uh, the first thing I want to just briefly mention is that the opening story to this book, uh, Legends of the Garu Kagemusha, is amazing. It is so good. It is one of the few stories that I have read over and over again um, over the years. Um, sometimes I forget what book it's in, and then I'll remember, oh, there's this great story about the samurai and um, he's a kinfolk and his brother's a werewolf and all this sort of stuff. But I don't remember where it is. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, it's in that kinfolk book. And I reread it because it is excellent. Um, it's one of my favorite opening fictions for any White Wolf book. And that's that's fair. I, it, I haven't read too many myself yet, but it, yeah, and that's I don't even need to say any more to that. It's, <laughs> go read it, guys. Go read it. Definitely. Uh, so the, the core of the book is really from the perspective of this kinfolk. I'm trying to see if I can find her name real quick. Is it Dr. Theodora Corrigan? Is that her name? That is a name I have here. I don't know if it's the right yes, one. Yes, she's a registered nurse is what, what the... So Theodora. Ooh, that's quite the name. She is a... Fiona Kinfolk, and she's, it's from, this whole book's from the perspective of her kind of doing 
research and talking to other kinfolk. And that's that's one of the reasons why I was like, oh, this book's so good, because it really reminded me of Ghoul's Fatal Addiction. And I loved that book. I It's just... So to see those kind of choreo, uh to see those connections, similars, mm-hmm. similarities, and yeah. So the first chapter is the kinfolk's tale, and it's really just from the the first person perspective of well, kind of what does it mean to be kinfolk, and the the cultural ties into that. Um, yeah, and I think the the interesting thing is it gives you the good and the bad of all of what it means to be a kinfolk it goes uh, tribe by tribe but it kind of looks at things from a big perspective and a little perspective it mm-hmm. talks about things like marriage um which and talks about arranged marriages and the problems with that and some of all of like you have to to create more garu you have to have relationships with people and we know what we mean by relationships. This is a PG 13 ish uh, <laughs> podcast. Um, and you can imagine it's not great. Yeah. Oh yeah. And especially with, you can just imagine the changes that have been happening uh, in the last hundred years in our, in the real world. And then kind of apply that, that in and of itself could be a really interesting story to take. If you wanted to play a kinfolk game and just, be like maybe do a couple of short games from hey here's a perspective from here and we'll we'll get to that later because that's really good too there's mm-hmm. so much good stuff in this book guys Definitely. so much good uh, so yeah the chap- first chapter is really just an just that overview and then the second chapter is more delving into the society of kinfolk specifically and that's where we start to see more of the breakdown of this is what it means to be a class walker kinfolk or, or a Getafen or Black Fury or my favorite Black Spiral Dancer. I loved that they included that in this book. It was that was so cool. That was a good good little section. And the art for that page, mm, yeah. I'm not easily apparently not easily impressed by the art, <laughs> but that one I was just like it, it fit perfectly the scene that I had in my mind. So. Whichever artist did that did an excellent job, in my opinion. Absolutely. I think the art in this book is some of the best I've seen in the werewolf book so far. And I'm the same way. Like, werewolf art it only does so many different things. There's only so many ways you can have a furry um, in <laughs> <laughs> various poses with their weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think chapter one is so good that it sets the stage. It's the, the linchpin of this book. Um, and it just mm-hmm. goes through all of the different um, tribes in a way that's super effective. It gives you a lot of nuance. It gives you the kinfolk's perspective and a little bit of like the outsider's perspective from the nurse's perspective and kind of how she views them. And sometimes she's like, eh, they're drinking the Kool-Aid. And that's helpful to kind of get both of those perspectives. Yeah. Well, and, and through that section, too, there's another character that they've kind of brought in the professor warners Mm -hmm. and he's he's somehow helping her out with this and there's i think there's at least one other npc that's um might be convoke i think that persona is supposed to be shrouded in mystery Mm -hmm. on purpose um so like you could just read this book take what these 
characters that they're saying and their perspectives and make characters and put them in your game. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's at least what 13 NPCs that you can pull into your game without a problem and get kind of an idea of what they who they are already. Yeah. I think that's uh, that's awesome. I agree. Um, uh, also, if people are looking for more kinfolk, um, Neil Litherland and I are right. Um, he's writing and I'm doing all the layout for a project of kinfolk on the vault. Um, so there are four of those tribes so far. Bonars, uh, Glasswalkers. Uh, don't quote me on which four are up already. I don't remember, um, but they're up there. So if that's something you're interested, there are 100 kinfolk per book. Um, so it gives you just enough information to... Um, create a character but not the statistics but still like these are these are the details you can grab from a tribe it's really cool that's the ad for this episode yeah no that's awesome because that's this is the first time i'm hearing about that i'm like oh that's always really cool to see to hear about the storytellers well i don't personally peruse it very often so hearing hearing the updates seeing what and hearing what people are putting out there is just it's fun it's fun so thanks for sharing that. Definitely. Definitely um, go check it out, guys. Definitely. The one other interesting thing in this section um, where you mentioned the Black Spiral Dancers, I'm going to mention the Skin Dancers. Um, oh, yeah. This book happens about a year or so, maybe even two, after they stopped writing Sam Hate stories. And where he like stops being like this major antagonist throughout the line, but skin dancers are still there. There are still kinfolk that are terrified um, of their brethren and want to be able to hold their own and, or they believe that they have more honor than their, you know, family members that have changed and they should be werewolves as well. And Mm -hmm. they are here that uh, like, that plot line does not go away just because Sam Haid is dead. Um, other w- people, other kinfolk know about the right and know about this potential to become werewolves themselves. And I think that's really super fascinating. Oh, yeah. I mean, just imagine being in a game where you're playing Guru and then all of a sudden this person who has had your back pretty much the whole story, this whole chronicle, and you find out that maybe they're not so on the up and up. Maybe they're they're watching you specifically because you happen to fit in and the ritual for it is it's very interesting. I think you have to have five pelts of the same auspice. Mm-hmm. So not only does it take, you know, they, they have to take away Guru in order to become one. They have to take away five. That's a big deal. Again, talking about those statistics. So... To, to realize that, hey, this is what my, the person that I've been caring about is, they've been lying to me this whole time. And it could add a very interesting spin to a campaign if you wanted to explore that aspect. Definitely. And it gets even weirder if you wanted to explore the, what if, well, we're killing all these Black Spiral Dancers. We have all these Black Spiral Dancer pelts. And then <gasps> a kinfolk I didn't like, even think of that. That gets super creepy. We were like, I'm going to skin all these pelts and make myself a skin dancer. And then I'm going to, and people and the girls are like, no, 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 that's not okay. Holy cow. Cause I mean, can you imagine trying to do that? You'd have to be really, really crazy. Oh, but I, I mean, cause the black spark. Yeah, I could see it too. 
I mean, they have it. Might as well give it a try. Then at least I'm, you know, fighting for Gaia. And it's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> Double the worm taint. <laughs> <laughs> the road to hell. Good intentions. Oh, paid. gosh. Yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes sometimes people's desires it outshine the logic that comes behind it. And, you know, that's totally how I would play it as a storyteller. If I had a kinfolk that was like, I'm going to use these black spiral pelts. I'm like, great. So you get derangements now. And <laughs> so oh, it's good. What do you think about the section after the tribes, though? The um, the other changing breeds kinfolk. Yes, I'm glad that they included that. Again, there's a lot of there's a lot of material. I, I feel bad complaining about that, but it's it's also you can have the oversaturation too. Yeah. Um, so that that disclaimer aside, I'm glad that they um, did take the time to try to find the other changers, quote quote, in the story to bring them into this and their um, their kinfolk. It's it's good. It's a part. It's a part of werewolf yeah i don't think i have much more to say beyond that <laughs> i thought i would <laughs> that's absolutely fair i think it's a good section if you're playing a changing breeds game to have this like it's a little bit extra i'm annoyed that the naga that they found naga kinfolk because <laughs> the naga are secret no one should know that they have kinfolk but um it's fine it's there um i also have a I have continuing issues with the Bunyip as an existing thing and their kinfolk existing. Um, not their kinfolk existing. I don't have a problem with them. Yeah. I mean, like, the Bunyip as a concept are ridiculous because thylacines um, are not wolves at all. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> they're <laughs> closer. They're clo more closely related to possums than they are to wolves. So if you wanted to make them a pharaoh, that would have been totally fine. But why do they have to be Garu? It doesn't make any sense. And I do have to say, I think Australia's possums are actually very cute. Whereas Americans' possums, not so much. Uh, oh, boy. oh, oh, okay. On behalf <laughs> of possums, American <laughs> ones, I take offense. They are very, oh, very really? cute. Oh, they can okay. Be. Most okay. of the time when people see possums, they're like wet. And when they're wet, oh. they look really gross. But when you dry them off, they get super fluffy, and they look like these big fluff balls with hands. So now, now I'm just imagining Josh having possums in his house, because <laughs> now, yeah, he has them as pets, guys. You mm -hmm. heard it here first. <laughs> I do not, because Marilyn does not allow us to have them as pets. But oh. my wife would love them. <laughs> That's great. Um, so getting back on track a little bit, they also talk about the two two tribes that are gone in their kinfolk, the Croton and the White Howlers. And and it's nice because it, it I think it gives you a more concrete place to go. You can't ever play a White Howler or a Croton Crotean did we have a different name for them? The Croton. Um no. Croton. That name yep. is totally okay because okay. it's not, as far as we know, it's not a sacred name or anything. Like okay, the um, Croton, you can't play them as a as a guru because there's there's a spiritual connection when it comes to the tribes that you just can't replace. And they talk about it theoretically. Um, if there was enough white heller kinfolk who managed to produce enough 
grew children that maybe the tribe can come back. So I, I appreciate that perspective that they bring in that it's a possibility. If it's something you wanted to explore, you can, it would probably, you'd be maybe doing a future set game, mm. but it, it gives me as a storyteller, a concrete way to go. No, you really can't. Right. You can have the heritage, but you can't play these tribes. Yeah, agreed. And the way the Garu work anyway, and this is kind of like an there's a sub thing here. Werewolves are not a member of a tribe. Officially, they're not a member of a tribe until they are inducted into a tribe during their rite of passage. So a cub that quote unquote is a white howler would probably be a damn Fianna or a black spiral dancer or a mm -hmm. uh, a silver um, yeah silver fang, even if they are descended from white howlers they're most likely just going to end up in another, another tribe anyway mm -hmm. um as much as i think that's like a cool idea like the tribe comes back sort of thing from that like it just doesn't make sense with other things that are written about werewolf and how their tribal identities are set up yeah yeah um and that's that's one thing kind of diverging a little bit um that it's real easy to get genetics mixed up with your tribe, mm -hmm. but they're technically different. So, but like, especially with silver fangs, like you have to have this prerequisite to be a part of them. And then other tribes, it's like, nobody gives a crap. It's, it's yeah, interesting. Depends. And it's something that like, there's always kind of this moving tension with it, depending on how your care, your players want to want to play or how you want to play a game. So uh, yeah. yeah. Um, fellowships. Let's do yes. a, just a broad overview of the <laughs> fellowships because we could talk about the individual fellowships for a while. We have, um, mm -hmm. but let's give a general like overview of what they are and kind of why. Sounds good. Um, so fellowships are basically just the different collections of the different camps, so to speak, for kinfolk, mm -hmm. and they do a good job writing out different perspectives that kinfolk can have kind of more for that stereotypical, um, just, uh, I'm trying to keep it, to keep it general, but there's so there's several and they're good. Um, and I mean, from focusing on genealogy again with the silver fangs to a, let's see the Gaia youth connect, um, youth network, or the Gaia network, it's, you know, we talked about that. That's kind right. of weird. Or the locksmiths, they, they have these different roles that they fill for Guru, the Guru society. And, or, or don't. I mean, there's, there's a fellowship specifically that uh, the Viatopia that caught my eye that is a collection of, kinfolk who want equal rights in guru society and that kind of can play off there's another group that's very much so militant so i'm i'm still for gurus i'm going to prove myself wanting equal rights kind of so you, you have the two different tracks there and you could totally play that off with the skin dancers too. So like there's a lot of connections that you have with the fellowship and different different perspectives. I hope that gives you guys kind of a little taste of what the fellowships can be. Yeah. And there are eight of them. They're all really neat. 
um, you're absolutely right. They go from as small as a band all the way up to like a network of hun- not hundreds, but probably thousands of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and they offer life, I would put it, to the society that is around the Garou Nation, um, which ad- just adds so much depth that I think is missing in other books. And when you have this book and you're like, oh, wow, there's really all this depth to the Garou life that aren't mentioned anywhere else. And it's super helpful, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's so easy to just, if you don't read this book, which, by the way, read this book if you're running a werewolf game, to, it this information's just not there. Hence why it's in this book. But mm-hmm. it's, oh, it's so good, guys. <laughs> Can't even express it today. Yeah. No, I'm with you. Like, this is... If there is a better book for Werewolf the Apocalypse, I don't know of it. Maybe there is. There is, actually. I'm lying. But this is definitely one of the higher like level books for me mm-hmm. until we get to oh, the 20th yeah. anniversary books. Which, you know, just as time goes on, people people learn from their writing. And, mm-hmm. yeah, it, that makes sense. That makes sense. But for where when this came out, that perspective, it is, it is really good. Definitely. Um, so chapter two is getting into creating characters. Um, and last time, the last episode, we kind <laughs> of skimmed over this, but I actually think there's some really interesting stuff in here um, that I, I think it might be fun to talk about a little bit. Really? Really? Yeah. So I think um, the way the character creation is written, um, this gives you like a lot of opportunity to make a really interesting character. If you're like, hey, I want to play a kinfolk, you can do so, and you can stand up to werewolves with the rules that are written here. You can actually, like, be... uh, Without being a skin dancer, you can still be fairly um, successful. I don't know what the right word would be, but you can certainly, like, hold your own in certain situations against um, werewolves. Well... And that totally makes sense, especially when you when you have that you factor that rage into the werewolf. I mean, obviously, you don't you shouldn't make a kinfolk. I mean, you totally can, but I don't know how long they would last. That's combat oriented, and you're fighting werewolves. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, you can you can do whatever you want. I don't. I'm not the boss of you, but I probably wouldn't just because that's not their strong suit. Their strong suit is interacting with human society. I personally find that a lot more interesting, but you know, go go make your werewolf hunters or and go <laughs> hunt down some BSD kinfolk people. Do Which it. you could you could definitely do. You could make werewolf hunters out of your kinfolk, and that would be kind of an interesting like subgenre of this game, which would be kind of weird. Um, <laughs> weird in a good way. Yeah, I, I, we absolutely weird in a good way. Um, there are a lot of new merits and flaws in here that are really helpful, um, or at least interesting. Um, the flaw inferiority complex um, could get weird, but it, it's this interesting sense of like I'm always I always need to be as good as my cousin or my brother or my sister, um, and I I don't I can never get there. Well, yeah, because there's this whole you know the gnosis the the gifts there's things like guru can do that obviously just humans can't yep except if you are a kinfolk that has the gnosis merit yeah five to seven mm. points though it's it's expensive 
it's expensive, but you get 21 freebies. And honestly, I think every Kinfolk player I've ever, or every player that's played a Kinfolk that I've known of has probably taken Gnosis because they're like, really? oh, it's access to the stuff. Yeah. Now, there, there are some limitations. Um, Kinfolk can learn gifts. Mm. There are limitations with that, though. Uh, rank being the most obvious one. They can't learn higher than level one ranks unless they have the ranks to do it. And it's really hard for Kinfolk to rank up in Guru Society. Um, yeah. So... so Sorry, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> no, I think we're both going the same direction. So if you wanted to continue, go ahead. Sure. What having the Gnosis merit does is it opens up the few options that kinfolk have for gifts a little bit more. They still have to, I believe, stick with the your tribe, your kinfolk for the glasswalkers. So you only have access to those typically like there has to be a really good reason why you wouldn't <laughs> um and then you have your your breed and well, what's the other one i mean i guess they wouldn't have auspice would yeah, they there's technically not but there are some specific kinfolk gifts um so so that's kind of they're just not as many because that that whole talk about the gifts man oh that that could be its own Galliard's rant. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Which we should absolutely have like a gifts rant. I think that's a great idea. Um, one thing we caught that I'm catching now that we didn't catch in the last uh, recording of this episode is that they can't have them higher than level one, which is what you just said, Becca. So okay. that's definitely in the rules, um, which is helpful. Um, but it still doesn't like I'm reading through this again. Um, you have to have a Garu teach you, but then they talk about having Garu summoning spirits mm -hmm. and spirits can teach kinfolk. I'm still really confused about how that works because why is a spirit going to be like, I'm not teaching this rando like that. They're not the one doing the shimmage. It just doesn't seem to, there's not some, some jiving here. That's just not jiving for me. That's it. I don't know. That's that's the small rant at a longer one last time I think about that. Um, the last thing in this, oh, go ahead. Well, Becca. actually, to jump in there real mm -hmm. quick, um, I I think kind of what we came to the conclusion of is if you're gonna do a kinfolk game, our suggestion is just take out that if the the spirits can teach the kinfolk for for whatever reason, you can come up with a good one such as what Josh has already stated. Hey, who is this person? They're not doing the shimmerage. What? Why are you offending me by wasting my time? I it definitely limits, and I think better reflects Guru society if gurus have to be the ones to teach their kinfolk because one, it takes a lot, a long time to do, and so who wants to waste their time on somebody who's not worthy first off. And then I think there's kind of, I think there's supposed to be a society thing where you don't just go and do that mm -hmm. for any kinfolk per se. Like there has to be a really good reason. And if you just do it willy nilly, then you, there can be other consequences within Guru society. So I think just taking that element out makes the most sense. Agreed. Um, I absolutely agree with all of that. Um, the last thing that's in this chapter 
um, is the noumena. Noumena are basically magic paths or like psychic paths that are found in several different books for humans. It's like, we're going to make all these monsters that have special powers. And then you, if you want to play a human, oh, wait, you can get special powers too, um, <laughs> which is fine. Um, they're basically static magic paths. They run from one to five. They're really similar um, to vampire disciplines in a lot of ways. Um, I actually love the Numina in this, though, even though I think they're overpowered. Um, so they're fun ways if you want to like add a little bit of um, stuff, including soul stealing, which is really horrible. And Yeah, that just sounds awful. Right. Um, and it mentions that usually Black Spiral Dancer kinfolk have this. So I think it's designed to be like an NPC bad guy power. But whoa, um, <laughs> it's um, it's powerful if you really want to go into that. Um, and then they do have a renown system for kinfolk at the end of this. Um, and effectively, like you can get up to rank one. Um, maybe you could get to rank two if you took the system and expanded a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that's interesting that it's there um, if you want to have kinfolk have gifts and other things like that. Yeah, I, I think the limitation on Renown is that kinfolk cannot have more than 10 permanent dots. Mm-hmm. So be thinking about that. And then like how I don't know if they go into if they could potentially rank up to rank two, how that would look. I don't think they do a breakdown. They don't mention that. I just, I'm looking at the map uh, that they have or not map, but the little table they have. And I'm like, mm-hmm. eh, I could see how you could potentially like scoot this up to rank two if you wanted. Yeah. But it's, I mean, how many dots and what do they need to have? Cause that depends on your auspice. <laughs> right. Maybe it's just a kind of the, you go the ragabash route and it can be, <clears throat> excuse me. It can be whatever because they're kinfolk and dang, you know, don't, don't, we don't expect too much from them. Yeah. <laughs> Except you know, we expect a lot. <laughs> the easiest thing with this, like if I were to redo this system and I'm not going to, but if I were to redo <laughs> the system, I would um, make it um, every, every human being has an auspice technically, you know, we're all born under certain oh, that's moon signs. True. So the kinfolk can have auspices as well. And then they just rank up like Garudu. Yeah. In a couple of weeks, when we talk about the Wild West book, the the little bit that I've talked of read, there is a section like there's a cult that totally thinks that, and it's cool. I'm mm-hmm. oh, I'm excited to get there when we get there. So yes, this does have precedent. So it's a cool <laughs> idea. Yeah. Um. So, on top of you could play a kinfolk, you could play a kinfolk with gnosis and rank and or or numina or you so you have those aspects there's there's another section where we talk about where it talks about playing a supernatural kinfolk mm-hmm. and so my my question for you josh if i can remember it would you allow for a supernatural kinfolk in a game in a kinfolk game or would you reserve it for another supernatural game to bring in ties for werewolf? Um, in a kinfolk game, no. I think I'm being consistent on that from the last episode. Um, for like a vampire game or a mage game where it was a part of the character's history, yes, because I think that could be interesting. I'm 
one of the types of storytellers that I love crossover and that I always have all of my games existing in a crossed over world of darkness. Um, My current mage game or my just finished mage game now, um, the players had a revenant in the group and we had a werewolf for a while um, as players. Um, But if I was running a kinfolk game, I would want them all to be generally human kinfolk as in they could have Gnosis or Numina, maybe, if I was feeling generous. Um, <laughs> but uh, I wouldn't want to have, like, one vampire in a group of human kinfolk. That would be weird. Yeah, um, it really maybe, would. Yeah, like, oh, well, we got to wait for Jim to wake up because he's dead during the day. Um, <laughs> just be weird. Which, and, like, why would you... <sighs> Out of all the supernatural options, being a kinfolk vampire is just the stupidest. <laughs> they would, I mean, you'd get, th- there's two options. Either you have a guru who is kind of like, no, no, let's keep them around. They could totally be useful, but then we'll totally, you know, kill them, I guess, if they go bad. Or the, the complete opposite side, which is, mm, we're going to put them out of their misery and because they're already dead. Yeah. I mean, the, there's so much more, I feel, interactions that you could have with the kinfolk who also happens to be a mage or a changeling. Not sure too much the connections with Wraith. I could see that more in a one-shot or a, a contained, self-contained story arc. Mm-hmm. Not a, shoot, not even self-contained. You can bring it in, but it would all, I only see it for limited use. Yeah, uh, I, having like a ghost story with a wraith as a story within the game is a cool idea. Having a player play a wraith with a mm-hmm. group of werewolves would be really weird and basically impossible. Um, <laughs> so uh, I, I say that, and yet I've played a wraith in a werewolf game in a LARP where I was a wraith in the LARP when everybody else around me was werewolves because I was haunting one particular werewolf. Um, <laughs> well, that so just sounds like fun. <laughs> it was because I was like obnoxious, but I only played that character for two games. So like okay. it has its limits too. It, exactly. Exactly. Um, so, so maybe this particular section is more for, Hey, storytellers think about how you can bring in your, your crossovers and, you have this this Wraith game. Here's how you can bring Guru into it. Yeah. And I think that's this is a great storyteller section. And it leads straight into the storyteller chapter. But honestly, exactly. this chapter is a storyteller chapter as well. That just leads mm-hmm. into how to storytell for kinfolk. Mm-hmm. Now, in, any more thoughts on the supernatural kinfolk section? Um. Generally, no. I just I think it's good. There's a lot of stuff you can mine or you could pull from that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's just nothing leaps out at me like we should talk about X. Gotcha. Okay, great. Because chapter four is storytelling, and I there's so much good stuff in this chapter. <sighs> it, it just it talks about starts out talking about how to storytell. And I'm always a proponent of, I want to learn how other people storytell so I can take the little bits here and there that I like and incorporate it in my game to make myself a better storyteller. And this, I feel, is a good section for that. I wouldn't take everything personally, 
but there's just so much to glean. And I think as you're reading it, you'll probably find other things that I didn't even pick up or particularly care for, but it would help you really increase your storytelling score. Yep. This is one of the best storytelling chapters of any werewolf book that I've read. I actually think this is a better storytelling chapter than most of the storytellers handbooks that I've read. Oh, yikes. Um, which is what it is. Um, that's no shade intended, but I guess it's going to happen regardless. Um, this is, there are, there's several sections of story hooks. There are three like different distinct, Hey, this is a group of story hooks. This is a group of story hooks. This is a group of story hooks. Mm -hmm. They're really good story hooks. They like know what the themes and the genre they're working with really well. Um, if you want to be a good storyteller, you should own this book and you should read this chapter um, because it's going to give you tools. Because you have to think about things a little bit differently as a kinfolk. And I think this presents all of that in ways that are really um, interesting. And it dovetails into the overall themes and ideas of Werewolf the Apocalypse in a super positive way. Um, just as an example, um, I'm going to pull out one of the, um, the story hooks that I really like which is rescue from DNA. Um, and DNA is one of the, um, the uh, bad guy groups that is introduced in the Sam hate stories way early on. And oh, they are gosh. capturing werewolves and trying to figure out what gene makes a werewolf, a werewolf, oh, okay. um, which is cool. Um, and there's a story hook in here where you as kinfolk have to save your uh, werewolf brethren from DNA. Oh gosh. Yeah. I don't remember that one super well, but that does sound like it would be cool. And I love what the the author specifically mentions before getting into that section. Take these ideas, use them verbatim. Take just the concept and change everything else. I love it. It, it seems obvious when you're reading things like, ah, it's my game, I can do whatever I want. But reading it as somebody's saying it in the book, the author's telling you, you know, do what you want with it. This is just an idea. Having that quote unquote permission to do so helps me for whatever reason. I really appreciate that they took the time and words to say that. Agreed. Um, on top of that, um, there is another section of crossover in here. Like they are very good about saying like, we're going to reiterate things that were mm -hmm. really important before but now we want to like focus in on this like sub little element and pull it out for you and be like, this is what this is going to look like in play. And that's super helpful. Like what I, when I said, this is one of the best storytelling chapters in a werewolf book it really is because it gets into the nuance and the, the small elements in a way that few books do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think this is the first werewolf book that I've read where they talk about, historical settings mm -hmm. and this is it is just awesome i wish they could have been more in depth with it like e each time period almost needs its own chapter yep. <laughs> and and in some cases its own book but we just you know we get a little snippet into it so that's nice it's nice that we have something yeah and honestly like the historical game elements in here. It's like, why isn't this in another werewolf book as well? Because it's all really good. Um, and I agree with you. It needs to be expanded out into books and wait until you get to our werewolf, the wild west podcast, where we <laughs> talk about one of those era settings. 
So yeah, they do that eventually, but it's the stuff you have here is the minimum you need to run a historical game, um, mm-hmm. which is helpful. Wow. And they even have a section on animal kinfolk. Mm-hmm. It's which... not long enough. No, it Sorry. really. <laughs> it, but it isn't. It really isn't. And I think when we talked about this last time, I was like, oh, you know, I just don't see a point. And then you actually came in and was like, hey, here's a story that you can do. And I was like, there's a point. It's so good. Why didn't I think of that? Yeah. The storyline that I came up with um, last time is um, was a little bit of like there's um, danger happening with um, with the particular like pack of kinfolk, I think, where um, maybe Pentex was moving in on the territory of a werewolf or there was another pack of wolves just moving into the territory and attacking your like pack that are your kin and you've got to go out and protect them. But maybe there's like other reasons that this pack of wolves is moving in. They're like, Oh, Hey, we got pushed out of our territory because of something, some dark like thing in the wilderness. There's lots of like things you can do with your uh, wolf kin. If you want to dig into the, those sorts mm-hmm. of things. Totally. And it might actually be very beneficial to read accounts of, I'm, just, I'm blanking on the word, but how how animals actually function in the wild read books on that maybe not the the whole where we get the alpha beta stuff because that's actually totally bunk but you know what what wolves are doing in in the real world like uh, yeah (laughs) yeah there's a book by farley moat that a lot of people read in school uh never cry wolf which is really good about kind of understanding how wolves act um, it's much better than Way of the Wolf, which is a book that came out for Werewolf, which is actually terrible. Um, you can go, for folks that want to, can go back and listen to my review of that and how I cut it to pieces if you really want to. Yes, it was good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think like that would be the only thing that I wish they had done a little bit more of in this book, um, was focus on the animal kinfolk. Um, the last section of this book is... is some sample NPCs, like some sample uh, characters, and then some uh, important NPCs, just like a lot of other books. And I think they're all really good. Um, there's some really interesting characters in there. I will not spoil any of them. Though there is one that I look at, and every time I look at him, I'm like, is he a character from Naruto? Um, which just seems <laughs> super topical right now. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Um, and real quick, they do, they do have a section on equipment, and... Mm-hmm. There was one that I particularly loved where the author starts talking about pepper spray. And I've never been pepper sprayed, but apparently the author has. And they're like, yeah, this is no joke. Like, it's it's a big deal. And think about how it would affect a guru who has huge scent of smell. And that's very important to them. How would they react if we react to it this way? I just, I loved that. Yeah. Um, I think that's a really good point. Being pepper sprayed or gassed is not fun. Um, from my military experience, I can guarantee you it is not an enjoyable experience or something you want. Um, yeah, so I would say for me, this book is 10 Sam hates out or nine Sam hates out of 10. <laughs> Um, I don't remember what our scale was last time, but um, 
what do you think, Becca? Where would you put this book? I mean, it's right up there. Nine. It could almost be ten. Mm. Um, I think if they just maybe if they updated it, made it a little bit more modern, talked about maybe delved into those things like with the animal kinfolk that we were we're just talking about. It could be that ten out of ten. Like this, if you got no other supplemental books except for this one and the main werewolf book, I think you'd be set for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like these are the only books you really need. <laughs> yep. Um, at least for the books that we've reviewed so far. Yeah, there, that's that's true. <laughs> there is a werewolf 20th book uh, for kinfolk. Um, there is, is there? yes, it's called Shoot. W20 Kinfolk A Breed Apart, um, which last time we didn't talk about because I forgot it existed. Um, there's a lot more werewolf 20th books than I realized, um, which is great. There's some good ones. Um, but if you got that book and changing way and, um, the historical book, um, which I'm forgetting the name of, there's one that goes through, uh, shattered dreams that goes through history. Um, you would have some of the things that this book touches on. So in some ways I would still say, go and buy this book. Because it touches on all those things anyway, so you don't have to buy three other books. But those three other books do other things as well. So, and we'll talk about them in the future. Yeah, <laughs> long time into the future, I think. <laughs> but we yeah. will talk about them eventually. Oh, so, guys, I I highly recommend this book. Definitely go check check it out. Read it. It's it's worth your time. Definitely. Um, so, Becca, if people wanted to find you on the social medias, how would they do so? You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Epic Botch, or you can come join us on the Twin Cities by Night Discord channel where I'm pretty accurate. Uh, accurate. Oh my goodness. I'm interactive there. That's not the word I meant, but that's the word that came out. <laughs> um, and, you know, you could totally talk about Werewolf there, but we also talk about a lot of the other different systems. There's lots of people who know. All sorts of things. You can ask all sorts of questions, and it's good discussion. Awesome. Um, you can find Werewolf the Podcast on werewolfpodcast.com. I finally got the website uh, URL correct. And Woo-hoo. you can look us look us up on Twitter at uh, Podcast Werewolf, or you can find us on the Facebooks at Werewolf the Podcast. You can also, um, I am in random places on Discord and things like that. Um, or you can find me on High Level Games in all the places. So, everybody, until you uh, answer the question, when will you rage about the supermarket? We will talk to you again soon. The music provided in this episode is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech Music. You can find his work by Googling Incompetech or Kevin McLeod. Thank you for listening to another episode of Werewolf the Podcast. You can become a patron of Werewolf the Podcast via High Level Games at our Patreon at High Level Games. You can learn more about High Level Games at highlevelgames.ca or by Googling us. Thank you for listening.